Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Fight Chat Friday from TKD Coach Academy. This week we're looking at flexibility and how it helps or maybe even hinders you in your sparring. Uh, is it needed to succeed and how do you leverage it if you have it in order to be successful? So if you're interested in that, stay with us. everybody welcome back to another episode of fight chat friday so this episode actually is based on a suggestion we received in the comments mm. on a previous video so it was basically about the the need for good flexibility and is it necessary to excel and keep progressing in sparring and um, so we're just going to maybe tackle that question today go through some of the the benefits maybe potential drawbacks and answer the question in itself, is it necessary? Can you still succeed at the high level without having extreme flexibility? Yeah, and it's an interesting one because I suppose Taekwondo is particularly known for the kicking and for the high kicking, but in our ITF style of sparring, there are alternatives because you don't have to score with head kicks in order to be successful. There are different strategies available and to complicate things even more, we have team sparring. So the weights of the uh, the competitors won't necessarily be equal. And that means it's very, very likely to happen that your opponents will be either shorter than you or even much taller than you. You know, there's there's potential for imbalance there. And it's usually very pronounced, you know, when you see it in the team sparring. And that's where, you know, it's worth asking that question of like, how much do I need to be super flexible to be successful in sparring? So there are some advantages. Yeah, definitely. And I think the, the key is that, most people who compete can effectively kick to the head, at least at the higher mm. level. Yeah. Um, people who are maybe yellow belt, green belt level and going through the ranks, often maybe that's not a, a big part of their game, head kicks. Mm -hmm. But for, for the most part, people who are competing at black belt level, they can usually kick to the head comfortably, which doesn't require extreme flexibility. True. Um, so once you are able to kind of threaten to that head, it, it is an opportunity for you to score, get to three points, obviously the biggest score we can get. Um, but the extreme flexibility is not always required. Now, if you do have it, it can be a major advantage, especially if you're a little bit taller. Um, if you've got those hips that are, are able to just fly to the sky and almost put your foot in someone's face, like you see from the clips here, it, it can be very, very effective. And you can get... See, if, if you're able to get two or three headshots in a match you have a massive advantage especially if it's very visible you're, you're looking at potentially like maybe even nine points on a scorecard which is a lot of scores to be getting absolutely and i mean a huge thing with the uh with the ability to threaten to the head as well is it does change your opponent's game plan so if they don't have to worry about covering their head against those head kicks it changes how they can hold their guard it does make it harder for you to score the body kicks you know there's 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 some things that go with that as well but to make a headshot really truly a threat you have to be able to carry it over some distance uh you know if it's going to be your initiation you have to be able to carry it over distance and be explosive and that requires like you said being flexible but also strong and also ideally being at least as tall as your opponent if not taller because it's very hard to be threatening from a shorter stature against someone who is taller um and again the simple example is once you have to lift your hips that high you're unbalancing yourself backwards and any clash any contact you're going to be losing balance and for the amount of times you might carry forward and score a headshot you'll probably five or six times end up clashing falling missing 
you know, and those warnings add up to miss scores and to, you know, to scores against you. So it's, it's worth considering, look, how tall am I relative to my opponent? If it's equal or taller, headshots carrying off the front leg, if you have the flexibility for it, are a great, you know, uh, weapon to have in the arsenal. But if you're not taller than your opponent, sometimes it's time to go to plan B and put those shots in your back pocket, you know, and maybe try something else. Yeah, I think as well from my own perspective, um, just seeing some people who are really successful with flexible front legs. Um, as juniors, I noticed that usually they actually they don't develop their hands really well. And mm. then when they become senior, um, their hands aren't really, really strong and they kind of almost get found out. And that happens a lot at the senior level. So that's something to be aware of as well if you are somebody who really relies on a flexible front leg to um, incorporate your hands and try to develop that part of your game as well. It's very, very important. But we just seen a clip there from Giles Brown, yeah. who was somebody who was very, very successful on the international level. And he'd be the first person to admit he's not the most flexible guy. But he's very, very effective off the front leg and smashing to the body. And he's well able to put his opponent back and cause damage in shots with that kick. So it, it does show that you don't need extreme flexibility. And you can still be successful and excel in ITF sparring. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's simply because there's so many other things that you can control and so many other ranges that you can go through. That said, as instructors, I think we should all be looking to explore adding this tool to our you know, students' repertoire because, A, it does take time and effort and specific focus to develop. But if the other characteristics line up with it, it's a wonderful uh, attacking tool to have. And it is something that we would want our, uh, uh, our students to have. Um, maybe yeah. an extreme example of it with Colin Adolfs here that uh, you know Richie had picked out uh, and it's a, a, a lovely one but like you have a huge height discrepancy here as well and it's not team sparring he's just that tall uh, but you know you can see Anti is actually leaning back and dropping into a deep stance as well which exaggerates the reach that Colin gets with that with that leg but you can just see how visible the scores can be um, when you have that combination of height flexibility and maybe a height advantage over your opponents yeah but i think th the point here as well is that colin actually is using the advantages and his natural body and his physique to mm. his advantage and i think that that's on the flip side then when we look at the last clip from Giles, for example he's yeah. also doing the same i think that's the key whether you have extreme flexibility or you don't the key is finding a game and a style that suits your body type your personality i think that's the key more so than everybody trying to get extreme flexibility to kick to the head with ease yeah or worst case scenario you ruling out a you know a, a competitor or deciding a competitor isn't going to go places because they're not flexible um yeah you know and we were able to point to numerous european and world champions who were not the most flexible people in the world but have you know been incredibly successful over time because they're able to leverage their strengths and their advantages over their opponents and beat people who are taller more flexible have a longer front leg you know so on so you know we definitely wouldn't put it as you know it's one of those things that's desirable as is being tall in taekwondo funnily enough um you know it's desirable mm -hmm. but it is far from like the determining factors to whether or not you're going to be successful yeah, we, we actually did, a, just for fun, myself and Adrian had a look at the European Championships results mm. for senior male and female from 2008, and we compared them to 2018, just to see if there was a little bit of change in uh, recent times. But generally, we, we were saying it was almost 50-50 from the people who were champions who were extremely flexible and the people who were generally not 
very flexible. They can kick to the head, um, but they're not by no means like Colin Adolfs. So sure. it just goes to show that you can be flexible and be successful as well as not have the extreme range of flexibility and still be very, very successful in ITF sparring. Absolutely. So if you've been watching this and you're thinking, this is something I need to be working on, we have an ebook for that. If it's something that you've been watching, you've been thinking, I'm never going to be any good because I'm not tall or I'm not flexible, again, we have an ebook for that. There are 10 sparring secrets or ways to improve your sparring quickly. Go have a look at that or check out our other videos. Mm-hmm. I think the important takeaway is there's no one attribute that is going to make you successful automatically in ITF sparring and the absence of any one attribute isn't going to make you unsuccessful either. Definitely. And that that itself is a massive takeaway. It's about doubling down on the things that you're good at Mm -hmm. and not really worrying about trying to be that kind of standard that you want to be. So um, look what, what your kind of body is, what kind of style you have right now. Do they align? If not, maybe have a look from there. But the the answer the question in short, no, it's not absolutely necessary. Definitely helps, um, and it, maybe it doesn't hinder your performance. But there are some disadvantages as well to be aware of. For sure. So that's us for this week. Uh, again, any comments, drop them into the uh, comments below here, or hit us up on any of our other social media. Uh, we will see you next Friday. <laughs>